Welcome in to Mox on the Mic. I'm Chris Goforth, and glad to have you with us each and every week where we visit with players, coaches, and administrators, both past and present. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review Mox on the Mic. We appreciate your subscription and your five-star ratings. It just helps us find Mox fans, and it helps Mock fans find us. This week, it's a special conversation with two really important guys in Chattanooga basketball history. Former head coach Ron Shoemate and Hall of Fame basketball player Herbert Book McCray share their memories of McClellan Jim, great rivalries in the mid to late 70s, and that 1977 national championship. Coach Shoemate, let's start with you. How did, how did you end up at Chattanooga? I don't know that I've ever heard this story of, of how or why you decided to come here. Okay, I was uh, coaching at high school in uh, Fort Myers. Florida, not Fort Myers, but uh, Niceville, Florida, and uh, I'd heard there was an assistance job open at Chattanooga, so I got on the horn, talked to Coach Ford and so forth, came up and visited and so so on, and uh, it wasn't paying anything, it was paying $7,500 a year for an assistance job, but I took it anyway and uh, unloaded, helped unload uh, railroad cars at Kenco Warehouse while well, I was on Amicola Highway when they had their uh, there at uh, as a second job uh, to make ends meet and uh, after a couple of years we had some success uh, Coach Ford had some success uh, and decided to get out of the coaching and just continue teaching and so forth so uh, Scrappy Moore was there here at the time as football coach and and uh, Tom Weathers was a coach, and, and uh, uh, I uh, talked to them and so forth, and then they they said I could I get the head job. So uh, that's how I got the head job here at Chattanooga. What year was that? That was in uh, seventy two, I believe, nineteen seventy two or seventy three. I can't recall. You knew you had a pretty good team coming back in seventy seven, didn't you? Well, we finished we finished runner up in the nation seventy six, you know, and uh, I always teach Kevin teach Kevin about uh, that. Uh, book will verify that uh, we were playing uh, a big team out of uh, Washington, and uh, Kevin we got Kevin some some great shots, but he, he always knocked them down. But he just couldn't buy a basket, and I always te- taught him. I said, now Kevin, if you'd hit those shots, we'd probably had another championship, but. Uh, we had a good team, and the kids played hard. And it's one of those things, you know. And basketball, one game and you're out. It's not like the best three out of four, or, or whatever, best three out of five, or anything like that. So uh, we were really ready to play in '76, '77 season, and because we felt like we had some business to take care of, and uh, we just rolled through the through the tournament and won the national championship. And then the, the following year, we went to Division One. Book uh, a little bit about your journey here. How did you end up? A, how did you end up a mock? Well, I always tell the story that I pretty much came to UTC through the back door. Coach Shoemate and Coach Underhill were recruiting Wayne Golden and another hotshot guard called Ronnie Daniel, who ended up at Oklahoma State. And uh, when um, Coach Shoemate came to Louisville, Shawnee's, which is where we played high school ball. Uh, uh, you know, he was coming as the primary target of uh, Wayne and Ronnie, but uh, he liked the way I rebounded the ball. 
And, uh, and so I was extended an opportunity, a scholarship, to come to uh, Chattanooga and play. Can you go back to Louisville at, at that point in time? How good was high school basketball in that area back then? Uh, Louisville basketball, high school basketball, rivaled high school basketball all over the nation. Uh, you're talking about a legacy of Wes Unsell, George Tinsley, uh, Dallas Thornton, a young player that was coming behind us named Daryl Griffith, uh, Bobby Turner, uh, that era. So it was a hotbed for basketball. There was, and and the the playing ground for that was the Dirt Bowl of uh, of Louisville basketball, which rivaled the Rutgers League in New York. And was so, it a dirt court? It it was well, it really was the dust court, the dust bowl. It, it was a concrete court, but the 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 dryness of the area just generated a lot of dust. So uh, it, it originally literally was a dust bowl, and over the years it was called the dirt bowl. And so that's where a lot of players honed their skills in the summer, uh, in, in, in on the playgrounds. There wasn't a lot. There wasn't a lot of indoor basketball. Uh, back then, as you could probably imagine, we all played outdoors. In the winter, we shoveled the snow off the, the the court. In the summer, we just endured the heat. But it was basketball, sun up to sundown. And so Louisville was was uh, a breeding ground for basketball. It still is. Uh, takes its basketball very, very seriously. It's the number one uh, basketball uh, in the state of Kentucky. Coach Shoemate, Louisville was, was pretty good to you, wasn't it? Uh, well, Coach Underhill uh, was, had been coaching at, uh, in Louisville, and uh, I knew him from the, my Tennessee Tech days uh, when I played at, when I played basketball at, and baseball at Tennessee Tech. And uh, I called Ralph and uh, got him to come as, as be my assistant, and I knew he had the in, inside door on, on the, uh, getting around, knowing the coaches and so forth. Uh, in, the, in the city of Louisville. And uh, once we got our foot in the door in Louisville, our, our philosophy was basically uh, Kentucky's going to get who they want out of here. Louisville's going to get who they want out of here. And then we're going to come in because it was such a hotbed of basketball. Uh, it boils down to now with the five stars, and we didn't have the five-star situation there. But you had some kids that, that were three stars at uh, – you know, that was looking for a place to go to school, and uh, tell us. The book was telling the story about how I went up there, and I, we went up there to see Wayne Golden and and so forth. And we were we were real proud that uh, how how Wayne played. But I saw this guy out here on the court. He was getting all the rebounds and was playing like a man. And I told Coach Underhill, I said, not only are we going to offer Golden, but we got to offer. Herbert McCray a scholarship too, and he said, "Well, okay, if you like him that much, let's get him." So uh, we were able to get uh, get a tag team out of that one. Book, how much did you know about Chattanooga? All I knew was that my good friend uh, Kevin Gray played here. Uh, Kevin and I came from the same neighborhood, you know, hung out at the same court, played ball together, and uh, he would come home, uh, uh, you know, at, at school breaks, and he talk about, you know, what a great career he was starting to have in Chattanooga and how good the people were. But other than that, I didn't have much much knowledge of uh, Chattanooga, the city, nor Chattanooga basketball. There, wasn't, there wasn't Google back then. There, there wasn't. So how did you, 
was what was your first experience or what was your first memory of of coming to town? It, it was the the visit. It, it was the visit. We uh, I'll never forget it. Wayne, Ronnie, myself, uh, we were extended a visit to uh, watch UTC play, and I don't know who they were playing that night, but uh, it's my first uh, flight uh, on an airplane out of Louisville to come and um, visit the school, visit the campus, and uh, just saw just the excitement in the stands and uh, and the uh, P.T. Barnum effect of turning off the lights out and the starters running out, by called, being called by name and things like that. So I was impressed from day one, from day one, uh, and, um, and and it was really a no-brainer for me uh, when, when Coach Underhill said, we really want to have you sign on the dotted line. I did not hesitate. McClellan Jim was rocking, wasn't it? It was. It was. You Coach. Know, you know, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I'll tell you this, you know, uh, during the course of my career, I was, uh, you know, I would fluctuate from a starter to a sixth man and that sort of thing, and so the the... The term sixth man, uh, you know, you, you initially think of an individual, a person who's coming off the bench as the first person off the bench. But there was no such thing as the sixth man individual-wise when we played. That sixth man was the McClellan Gymnasium. It was an intimidating environment. Teams who knew that, who were coming in to play us, they knew they would not only have to play against the five guys on the floor, but they'd have to play against all the fans who were like breathing down on top of them and be just as intimidating as a Walter McGarry, Wayne Golden, William Gordon, the players. Was it hot in there? It was. I think Coach Shoe may mess with the thermostat a little bit. <laughs> Coach, early in my days in this business, one of my first mentors was Bill Nash. And uh, and I so I've heard a ton of stories about Ron Shoemate over the years back in the early 90s from, from Nasty. Take me back to McClellan Gym. I didn't get to see, I'm not old enough to remember those games, the heyday of Mox basketball in, in McClellan Gym, but your recollections of, of playing it. I've heard some of Bill's stories years ago, but I want to hear some of your thoughts and memories on it. Well, it was a great environment uh, for us at, the particular, at that particular time because – we were trying to build a program. We were trying to go national with the program uh, as far as being in one of the top Division two programs in the country, which we did at- obtain that, and I think that having McClellan Gymnasium as, as our facility certainly helped. It's like, uh, give you an example, Duke, does that University of Duke University, they don't want a new stadium that seats 20,000. You know, they've got the environment there that they they like and it's small and the fans are right on top of the players and and so forth and we we were sort of trying to copy that type of environment and once the fans started coming out and uh, watching these 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 guys play which the and we were just hammering people uh, it was a, a great environment and talk about Bill I tell you the biggest story about Bill and Bill and I is. Every year we try to have some type of uh, slogan to go for the team, like the greatest show in town or whatever. And then I, I'd go over to WDOD and, and, uh, one day, and I said, what are we going to do this year, Bill? Uh, help me figure out something. He says, i got to make a phone call. I'll be right back in. And, but he, in the, the studio, the music was playing. 
and it came on, came Rocky Top, came on. Bill came back in the room and he says, I, he says what do you want to talk about? I said, I've already got what we're going to do, Rocky Top. So we started that year with Rocky Top, and our, we got with our music people there for the band, the pet band, and so forth. And then the next thing we knew, Tennessee, the following year, I understand that they had heard about Chattanooga having Rocky Top, so they adopted the thing. But we started the, we started Rocky Top before they ever thought about having it, because it was great for us. But once they grabbed hold of it, we didn't want to feel like we didn't want to be like you know the kid sister that played what they played. They were really playing what we played, but we couldn't. Uh, uh, we, you know, no, you couldn't, you couldn't ask any Tennessee fan that, but that's the real true story about that. But Bill was, and I were, were really close, and I uh, talked to him a lot about things and so forth uh, with the, with the team and all. And I think he was good for the, good for the players. I think the players liked him, and I think that's important that you have a, a guy that's doing your radio and that type of thing that can relate and talk uh, on with your players. So. He was a good, good part of that. When did the idea of, of moving up to Division One? Were you involved in those conversations? Well, basically, what happened? McClellan and Jim uh, uh, just filled up. You couldn't get you couldn't get a ticket. And this is a our, our players. Some of them, uh, Ronnie Swafford and so forth. He would take some of the kids. Uh, you know, they got these tickets for. Uh, and and take them out and sell them uh, before the games, you know, and then and, and bring back and this would give the guys a little extra money uh, after the game because he'd sell their tickets because he could get whatever they were cost. He would get double for what they, the people were paying for him. And we had the spotlight going on in the and and the thing about in Chattanooga when the mocks played, everybody in the city knew they were playing because we had spotlights going up into the sky circling so he's driving down hicks and pike or whatever and you say john Douglas playing tonight because and because we we tried to make it a travel uh, uh, just a uh, ultimate experience not only for our players but for the fans uh alike and uh but we after we won the national championship they were dead set our administration was dead set on going Division One, and uh, so you know, then we started with the. There's a lot of people in Chattanooga couldn't get in McClellan Gymnasium for tickets, season tickets, and so forth. So that's how the Roundhouse got started. Some of the people that that the uh, administration would listen to that need that would like to go to the Mox games couldn't get in the game, so. They were saying, "Why don't we build a new new building?" That's how the roundhouse got built. These guys, Book and Wayne, and all of them, Kevin Gray and and Gary Stitch, and uh, all the those these guys. Her, uh, I, I, you get I get old sometimes. When I'm going That's all right. Back, they uh, they they're the one that built the built the building. You know, they built the building. Well, no question about that. And and uh, as a Former coach and an old coach like I go, I go to season tickets now. I got season tickets now to the games, and since the last two years since we quit wintering in Florida six months and then coming back to Chattanooga six months, I've become a very uh, 
our uh, basketball fan form. I've always been a fan, but I can watch him play at home games. So uh, I'd like to see this this uh, this building here where we can get. Uh, I know at Southeast Missouri State we were at the same situation, but when I when I left there we were putting six seven thousand people in the, in, the, in the stands every game, and. Uh, that's what we need to do here is in Chattanooga. We need to fill this fill this place up. I know it holds thirteen thousand or whatever, but there's no reason why the six seven thousand people are not here for these ball games. Agreed, uh, book. If there was one game that you would have wanted to, one regular season game that you would have wanted to have seen in seventy six and seventy seven, who was it? Who was the rival you wanted to come out to see? Uh, Without a doubt, Tennessee State. And it goes back to my freshman year. Um, that was my introduction. The Tennessee State game was my introduction to college basketball. You know, now colleges have, the, what it's not the preseason, but it's the precursor to the conference schedule. Mm-hmm. And so my freshman year, uh, uh, we had played that portion of our schedule. We played the no disrespect to Tennessee Martin, the Tennessee Martins, and the, and certainly no disrespect to you, Coach, the Tennessee Techs, and the the, the lesser known uh, uh, colleges, and uh, you know I could just you know just kind of have my way with those those players. But then Tennessee State comes to town, and uh, uh, Big Leonard Truck Robinson, uh, and uh, I just remember vividly as if it was yesterday. Truck Robinson and I went up for the for the same rebound. Next thing I know, I'm laying on the floor, <laughs> just trying trying to find my contact, trying to get myself together. And uh, and I said, well, you know, I'm gonna have to hit the weight room or do more push-ups or something. But every year after that, that was the game I looked forward to. Uh, yeah, we played a full 25 game schedule, but I always look forward to the Tennessee State game because you knew you were gonna get a tough tough game. Coach Martin would have seemed to have those young men uh, ready, uh, if for no other team but for UT Chattanooga, and uh, uh, so those are some hard fought battles. Coach Shoemate is, is still in town and, and still around. I know you're still here uh, locally. How often do you get back to the arena? Well, like Coach Shoemate, I have season tickets. Uh, my schedule doesn't allow me to make every game, but I try to make. Uh, as many games as I as I can, and try to support the athletic department by purchasing season tickets every every year. Um, and I'm heavily in, involved with the young men who are on the team now. I don't know if you know it or not, but I, I in my retirement uh, years, I work with youth in the city of Chattanooga, and so we've taken on the mindset that in order for us to reach the youth that we're working with, it's going to take some of the younger. Uh, young adult men, such as UTC basketball players, to kind of reach back and get heavily involved with our young men. And so we uh, use that tactic with uh, young men like uh, Justin Owens, Jonathan, uh, Scott, Maurice Commander, and uh, uh, Rod Johnson. Uh, and and uh, uh, so I, I stay involved with the program. That's a good that group matter. of guys, isn't it? They, they, they are. They are a great group of guys and did a great job with the uh, young men and our young men come from some pretty difficult backgrounds uh, and they can uh, they can bring some challenging behaviors to the table 
But if you get on their side, you'll have them eaten out of your hand. And uh, those four UTC guys that worked with our camp this summer had those young men eating out of their hands. That championship game loss in 76, how many times have you guys replayed that, gone through that, whether it's coaching decisions, a missed shot, a missed free throw? How many times have you, did, did you guys replay that game in your mind? Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. It certainly set the stage for the senior year. Uh, after losing that uh, runners that being runners up that um, 76 year, uh, we were a determined group of men uh, that we didn't want to end the season in 77 the way we ended it in 1976, and so there was no stopping us. There was no stopping us in terms of of us being the last man standing at the end of the season. Left a bad taste in our mouth and something that guys from Louisville just can't stand. Um, and so uh, we we had a, a, a pre-game, a preseason meeting amongst ourselves, team only, that we were going to do everything it took to uh, win the championship that that year. And along with uh, uh, the coaching staff, the city of Chattanooga, the students, uh, the student body, uh, we were able to accomplish that. Who led that meeting? Book McCray, Gary Stitch. Wayne, being the hot shot uh, player he was, he was pretty laid back. Uh, but it was mainly myself and Gary Stitch. Coach, what about you? Well, my philosophy always was to the to the guys: the next game is the most important game of the year. You know, I always approach it from that standpoint, no matter who you're playing. But to go back to one thing that uh, Herbert was saying was, uh, Coach Martin and I became very good friends. Uh, I don't know whether the players knew that or not, but we were we were we were pretty good friends, and we we used that rivalry to both to our advantage. And talking about Tennessee State, yeah, Tennessee State, and, and he used it at, at his advantage because when we would go in uh, to Nashville to play Tennessee State, you couldn't get in the game with a shoehorn. <laughs> I mean, right. it was packed yeah. out. You, but Tennessee State came to because well, I went to uh, to Coach Wilkes and so forth. They were sort of re, didn't didn't. Well, you want to play Tennessee State? I said, Yeah, I want to play Tennessee State. I said, You know, they're the best team in the state, probably. That's the team we want to play. But anyway, uh, I got them to where we could schedule home and home with them. And uh, when they come into our place, you couldn't get in Big Mackey with a shoehorn either. And it was just, that was part of the. No, not only mine, but Coach Martin. We knew that we were helping both programs, no matter how the game turned That's out. Right. We were helping both programs because so true. everybody wanted to see that that game. I mean, you buy season tickets just to get into that game, so that was fine. But uh, our approach to every game to the kids and, and and so forth was that you know this is the most important game of the year. And we, we used that philosophy, but I knew in back of my mind, you know, where we were heading and headed, and I felt real good going into the NCAA tournament that uh, we we were playing our good basketball. Uh, Herbert had, had stepped in and, and started picking his game up a lot, and uh, although we had lost Derek, uh, Gary Stitch, not Gary Stitch, but uh, uh, Fred. Fred, 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 Fred Rayleigh, we lost him, but we still had the had the 
players to, to go and run, run the table, and we did. And I was just really extremely proud of those kids. They, and that they, national championship game, was that played in Springfield? It was. It was, yes. I got a friend and um, he, who was a student here at that time, and him and his buddies loaded up in the car and made the trek to go to that game. And after the game was over, apparently they had peach baskets on the uh, pole, light poles in Springfield. He climbed the uh, light pole and took a peach basket and brought it back with him. And he's still got that basket 43 years later. I don't know whether you you knew. When we flew back in to... Chattanooga after after that ball game, the streets were lined yes. from the airport all the way to through town. I mean, it was like a, the greatest thing. It it was unbelievable. I mean, I looked out. We, we were flying in. I looked over there and I saw all these people. They were everywhere. They were everywhere, all the way down the highways. That's right. Ten deep. Yeah. And over the Vidocs, like, you know, when, uh, 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 what's the name, when they have a police chase and so forth, yeah. the people over the Vidocs, they were over the Vidocs as we were coming in. That's true. And that so forth. True. It was unbelievable. I was just amazed at the, at the, the, the fan response to uh, our championship. You know, we talked about the six-man effect uh, in McClellan. But I have to go back and say that it wasn't just a McClellan thing. It was a city of Chattanooga thing where uh, uh, we may be playing a game in, in McClellan gym and the people in the gym were you know, rooting us on and supporting us. But the whole city of Chattanooga got behind uh, UTC basketball during that era and, uh, and, and embraced us and supported us and, and thrust us forward. So I, 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 I echo what... Coach Shoemate is saying, it, 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 when we came back from uh, uh, Springfield, the whole city uh, lined the streets uh, where they were at the airport. Uh, but it was like that throughout the, the, the year. It was like that throughout the year. Those people couldn't get in the McClellan Gymnasium. They still listened on the radio. They would yell at us if they saw us downtown or some other place talking about the way to go and things like that. So you, we, we felt love from all over the city. Special time. It was a real special time. Pretty good way to go out as a senior, too, wasn't it? It was. <laughs> it was. Nothing beats being the last man standing. What about after basketball, or after Chattanooga for you? Well, after basketball for me, you know, um, you know, like most people, you know, I had my ups and downs, uh, you know, from an economic standpoint, from a personal standpoint, uh, I was able to uh, sort of uh, persevere through some some ups and downs, and I was able to come back to Chattanooga, graduate uh, with an elementary education degree, teach in the public schools for uh, 26 years, and retire uh, as a uh, school administrator. And um, uh, but the last in 1994, I founded along with uh, Wayne Golden and Daryl Yarbrough a youth program, and it's a youth ministry, we use the term ministry now, uh, called the Chattanooga Basketball Foundation, and uh, we just endeavor to teach good, solid basketball to 
young men and young ladies uh, as young as seven all the way up through high school age. Over the years, we've evolved into a ministry that's called the Independent Youth Services Foundation. And our hallmark effort is to uh, mentor young men, and particularly, more specifically, mentor young men who live in inner-city urban areas, try to get them to realize the God-given potential uh, that they have uh, within themselves, uh, value relationships, value education, uh, develop a good, strong relationship with God, uh, and then craft a good plan for life after high school graduation. That's the key, focus on high school graduation. And that's what I'm, I'm, I'm doing in my retirement uh, years now. Been retired 11 years. Coach Shoemate, for you, after Chattanooga, it was on to southeast Missouri. But what is it about Chattanooga that's home? Because you're back. Well, my wife's at Tennessee. And that's, that's first. <laughs> yeah. Mama first, one, then. Mama then. one. Yeah. yeah. So we, right. uh, we were glad to get back. And, and uh, we after southeast Missouri State, uh, we left there. We 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 built a log house on the Kentucky uh, on Kentucky Lake, and we was there for about five years, and then got a call about uh, coming back to Chattanooga, and uh, we took that call, and I worked with Saudi Daisy School for about three years, and uh, then then literally retired. I told Coach Coach I'd try to turn the program around, and we did, and and uh, Coach uh, Smith, Coach Robert Smith, who was principal. And uh, we were always going to Florida for six months and then coming back to Chattanooga for six months. And finally, after the scare of the hurricanes and all, we finally sold that place down there after 10 years. And now we're in Chattanooga full time. My wife's uh, originally from Knoxville, but uh, she calls Chattanooga. She lived in Chattanooga for quite a while. And, uh, you know, we got got please mama for sure. So I, I really enjoy being back in Chattanooga. Uh, we always talk, my wife and I always talk, would you like to live here, would you like to live there? And we've all decided we like to live in Chattanooga. Guys, I appreciate you guys giving me some time today. Thank you. It's been fun. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again to Coach Shoemate and to Book for giving us some time recently. If you see them around the arena, make sure that you tell them that you heard them on Mox on the Mic. If you want to join Coach and Book as season ticket holders inside the McKenzie Arena, head over to GoMox.com and get all the details, or you can call 423-266-MOX. That's going to do it for Mox on the Mic. I'm Chris Goforth. Until next time, Go Mox. Go Mox.